sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after, live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. Officially now two weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And a ton of movement from the odds perspective to be that number one overall selection. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. We'll look at that odds movement in just a moment. We'll go around Major League Baseball as well on this Thursday. The final two days of the NHL regular season in the Stanley Cup playoffs are now set in both conferences. A postseason preview for you and how we reach this point at the conclusion of the regular season and the postseason continues to churn in the NBA. Two more play-in tournament games before the NBA playoffs officially start over this weekend. Two weeks from tonight in Kansas City. It is the start of the 2023 NFL Draft. That opening round on a Thursday, 31 picks as Miami had to forfeit their first round selection this year due to the tampering and the suspension of owner Stephen Ross this past season. So 31 picks in that first round two weeks from tonight on a Thursday. There has been a ton of focus, of course, on this quarterback draft class where there is top end talent, including a Heisman winner in 2021 from Alabama. His name, Bryce Young. There has been a ton of movement as well at the top of this draft board, both in teams and in the odds. Let's start with the teams. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, Carolina traded with the Chicago Bears for that first overall selection. Carolina has done a ton this offseason. A new head coach, that is Frank Reich. They have added to their offense as well. Adam Thielen now there with the Panthers there is some optimism despite Carolina drafting first overall you can see it reflected in the Panthers win total for 2023 it's seven and a half and the over has the juice the Houston Texans draft number two overall the second lowest win total for the National Football League in 2023 the Cardinals might have the most influence on the top five of the opening round two weeks from now as Arizona has been garnering some calls and receiving interest in that third overall pick the cards this year it is not optimistic for 2023 the lowest win total in all of the league the Colts select fourth the Seahawks a playoff team uh, courtesy of that trade for Russell Wilson last offseason select fifth overall but let's focus on number one going one of one Bryce Young right now is the odds-on favorite to be that first overall selection, a minus 270 number. Bryce Young visited Charlotte in the Carolina Panthers organization earlier this week on Tuesday. As we have seen the odds movement throughout this NFL offseason, it's been a very interesting picture. 
Bryce Young was the odds-on favorite following Super Bowl 57, minus 120, in front of Ohio State C.J. Stroud, plus 250. Following the NFL scouting combine, Bryce Young remained the favorite despite not working out in Indianapolis. Quickly, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of a Thursday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. Officially now two weeks away from the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Thursday, April 27th in Kansas City. And we have seen a ton of movement with the Carolina Panthers on the clock with that first overall selection because following Indianapolis Bryce Young was still the odds on favorite around a minus 175 number but a couple of days after that Chicago trades the first overall pick to Carolina and almost suddenly CJ Stroud became the heavy odds on favorite nearly a three dollar favorite at its peak but now it's Bryce Young minus 270 and all of that movement in the last five or six days so it's very interesting to see that movement for number one and what might happen later on in this first round. It's a quarterback-rich draft class, which was not the case last year. Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback selected in the opening round, the first time that had happened since 2013. We could see, potentially, four quarterbacks come off the board in the top 10, including Florida's Anthony Richardson and Kentucky's Will Levis. Right now, AR is the favorite to go third overall, plus 110. Arizona holds that third pick, but the Cardinals, of course, do not need a quarterback. So what does that mean? Anthony Richardson is also the favorite to be the fourth overall selection. Indianapolis has that pick, and they definitely need a quarterback. The Colts are the favorite, by the way, to draft Anthony Richardson, plus 175. Tennessee, the second best price at two to one we could see five quarterbacks in this opening round two weeks from tonight on a Thursday in Kansas City including Tennessee's Hendon Hooker now he's a veteran he's 24 years old he's coming off ACL surgery that he suffered in Tennessee's regular season finale or second to last regular season game I should say against South Carolina you can see the teams that are favored to pick him Minnesota drafts 23rd overall Seattle has their second pick of the first round at number 19 we'll continue to dive into those odds in these two weeks that lead us up to the NFL draft starting on a Thursday night in Kansas City more of the morning after up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com the daily basis Live right here on this Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Craig Mish is here as well. The host of Newswire. It starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Our Major League Baseball insider here on the SportsGrid network. Craig, as always, thank you for joining us on this daily basis. So we go into the daily basis. Craig, we'll dive right into some of the action that we saw yesterday. As you were here on a Wednesday, we were saying a ton of afternoon baseball mm-hmm. around the league, including at City Field up in Queens, the Amazons 
and the Padres. The rubber match of this series in the Mets take it. Tyler McGill, a perfect 3-0 this year in the month of April. 7-0 is his record in April throughout his career. Not exactly the case for the pitcher on the other side, starting for San Diego yesterday, Craig. Blake Snell this year now 0-2 with a 7-6-2 ERA. What is your level of concern for Blake Snell near the top of that San Diego staff? I think this is the first day that, that we've gotten together in the morning and not started with the Tampa Bay race. It's kind of insane. True. It's like their winning streak is just assumed upon today, going for the record today, by the way. So, uh, yeah, and so that my segue is, look, Blake Snell pitched for the Rays. And the Rays are just really good at sort of knowing when there's peak value in a player. And it's very obvious that, remember, just all of that discussion when they traded Blake Snell, how can they do this? The Rays are punting, they're quitting. And Blake Snell has not been the same pitcher since he's gone to San Diego. But I, I think in the end, Ben, what you look at here is anytime you face the Mets, and look, the Mets offense has been definitely inconsistent and up and down. You know, left-handed pitcher facing off against Pete Alonso, facing off against Francisco Lindor. You know, Alonso hits his sixth home run yesterday. The Mets are a very formidable team. McGill, as you mentioned, this is not his first rodeo pitching well in April. He did this also previously as well. And credit to him and credit to the Mets for sort of getting him right and identifying him. At some point, Justin Verlander will be back, and the Mets will have to make a decision. Is McGill in the rotation? Is Peterson in the rotation? Because one of those probably has to go when Verlander comes back. I think he threw yesterday, and they're still saying another week or yep. two before he returns. The third best price to win the National League, that is what San Diego has. The fourth best number to win the NL pennant, that is what the Mets have at plus five. 50. Craig, what is the key for these two teams to remain in contention throughout this Major League Baseball season? Yeah, I think both will be in it till the end, Ben. I don't think there's any doubt for the Mets. They've already had some early injuries. That's been, you know, no question. That's been the deal. Marte missed the game. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, Verlander's missed time. Jose Quintana, who they signed, has missed time. And then obviously Edwin Diaz is out for the season. So they're thin at this point. And they really can't afford to lose much more. But I think that those uh, pennant odds are off. I would flop, flip-flop the Mets and the Padres. I think the Mets definitely have a, a better shot than San Diego does. But again, a lot of this is all for naught. It's still April, and we know that both teams, historically speaking, are going to chase it and going to make some moves yeah. at you know the, the trade deadline. But I certainly have the Mets above the Padres in my personal power rankings. I guess we could say that. Yeah, power rankings. I have the Mets ahead of the Padres. Yeah. The team that won the National League pennant last year, the Philadelphia Phillies, are struggling this year, Craig. They reached yeah. the World Series, but to start 2023, 4-8. What is the biggest issue in your mind, Craig, that is plaguing the Phillies to start this year? Yeah, I, I watched them play against the Marlins the last three days. And, you know, what's interesting, Ben, is that last season, they fixed that bullpen that had been causing them so many issues over the last couple of years. It feels like we're right there again. I know they got Gregory Soto in the offseason, and they're hoping for the best with Sir Anthony Dominguez and Kimbrell gave up. I mean, they, they're trying, man. It's not like they're not trying. Dave Dombrowski is acquiring the right guys to make it happen. But to me, that's been somewhat of the issue for them. They've been giving up a lot of late runs again. You know, clearly at this point, neither Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler have gotten off to great starts. You know that will normalize. And obviously not having Reese Hoskins and not having Bryce Harper is yeah. very big too. But sort of no excuse to be playing this poorly, I would say, after 12 games. And so they're going to have to fortify the bullpen and get it right. And I don't know how you do that because they've already spent so much money on it. I guess they could just keep throwing money at it, Ben. But they got to get Nola and Wheeler back to like seven innings, one run, two run runs. 
something along those lines. My guess is they will still in April, that's for sure. The Marlins winning in extra innings yesterday in Philadelphia in 10. The Blue Jays winning in extras yesterday up in the Great White North as well. So far this year, Toronto Craig, a perfect 2-0 at home. In the home opener on Tuesday, the Blue Jays hit a franchise record for a single game, five home runs. Craig, that was part of the conversation this offseason. The change in dimensions at the Rogers Center up in Toronto. What do you think it will mean for the Blue Jays at home and potentially that home field advantage throughout this Major League Baseball season? Yeah, a change in dimension and a change, honestly, in philosophy, too. They had too many right-handed hitters. They finally traded to Oscar Hernandez to get a little bit more left-handed. And so I definitely think, uh, you know, now think about it, where Toronto is at this stage of the season, basically playing the least amount of home games in baseball because they didn't want to send everybody to Canada in April, which does make sense. Uh, you know, they play the you know, Tigers, and, and let's just be honest, the Tigers look like one of the worst teams in baseball right now. But, yeah, Toronto's going to be really good. You know, sort of have to get that pitching, you know, situation figured out for them, no doubt. But I think in the end, uh, you know, the, the the choice that they made, at least for Kevin Gossman over Robbie Ray, seemed to be paying off. Right. Right now, Chris Bassett gets the start for Toronto today. You saw that heavy favored number, minus 235 on the money line against the Tigers, who are off to the worst start this year in Major League Baseball. Craig, you wanted to talk about Tampa Bay? Here we go. As we look at the American League East divisional odds, the Rays are the favorites now, plus 130. After this historic start, a perfect 12-0, one of three teams in Major League Baseball since 1901 to start 12-0. They have a chance for history this afternoon, nearly a $2.5 favorite at home against the Red Sox to become just the third team ever to start a year 13-0. Craig, when you look at the American League East, yes, Tampa Bay has been sensational, that unbeaten 12-0 start, but the Yankees, 8-4. The Blue Jays we just mentioned, 8-4. Is the American League East, in your mind, Craig, the best division in all of baseball? I still think the National League East in the end will be. I'm not going to discount Philadelphia. Miami's playing better. Uh, you know, the, the dynamic, I think, that maybe it's not an early reaction, Ben. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. I'll do it again today. All credit to the Rays. Uh, I, and I do think Baltimore will be better as we go on. But Boston, mm -hmm. to me, is one of those teams where I just have not liked what I've seen in the early part of the season, whether it's been their pitching yeah. or whether it's been their hitting. They sort of piece things together this offseason by getting extra players sort of replace J.D. Martinez and some others. They never really replaced Mookie Betts at all. That's going to go down as a horrible trade, and Chris Sale hasn't looked right. So that's the one team that again looking at those odds i put the orioles ahead of the red sox I, I i think the red sox are in some trouble i haven't liked what i've seen the o's right now also an even 500 six and six this year all right craig as we dive around major league baseball on this thursday as well from a dfs perspective who do you like on the mound today yeah, short slate today, so you know, let's not get crazy with it. We've got a lot of afternoon games. We're going to have the full slate tomorrow, so my recommendation always is on these. Some people love them. I don't. I, I love having the full slate of games. It gives me an opportunity to dive in once the lineups come out. But uh, let's go Jordan Montgomery today of the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I, you know, at some point, I feel like the Cardinals are going to get right, start playing better. I think today is a good day to start. Hopefully for the Cardinals, they don't look as bad as they have in the early part of the season. And, uh, and yep. Bryson Stott today uh, is is basically he's been leading off against right-handed pitching for Philadelphia. We talked about all the negative things with the Phillies. Stott has been fantastic for them. So that's extra at-bats 
against Nick Lodolo. And Ben, as we talked about a couple of days ago, I think the I think the Reds are the worst team. I think the Reds are the worst team in baseball. They've now lost three games in a row. Uh, I, I you know, and, and probably hey, it, when you're in a rebuild, this is probably the right thing to do. But a big signal at the beginning of the season, not rushing Joey Votto back and actually talking Ben about trading Joey Votto at some point. Didn't expect Ooh. to hear that. So take Bryson Stott today. He's going to lead off. I would assume when the lineups come out for for uh, Philadelphia against Cincinnati. Stop batting 420 this year, Craig. They need that help offensively with no Bryce Harper or Reese Hoskins at this point. Cincy, a money line favorite, minus 130 as they host the Phils today at the Great American Ballpark. Craig, thank you so much as always. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is the final few days of the NHL regular season, but the postseason is now set. We know all 16 teams from both the East and the West conferences. As we approach the marathon, that is a sprint, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank you for joining us here live on this Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. If we're talking hockey, we need that ice advice with one of the best out there, our good friend, Pete Jensen, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, working with the NHL. Pete, thank you so much for taking the time, as always, to join us here in the final few days of the regular season with an outlook for the postseason as well. Absolutely great time of year. Can't wait to find out the matchups. We should know most of them after all this action on Thursday night. Couple games hanging on on Friday involving the Colorado Avalanche. That's the big one. Uh, maybe things would get finalized after that, but the playoffs start on Monday. We know that much. We know all 16 participants after the New York Islanders booked their ticket, right? Fourth time in five years. We know that that team has a playoff pedigree. So any team that enters the building, enters the chat, has a chance in any given game, any given series, and that's the beauty of it. All eight spots in the Western Conference were claimed entering yesterday. The final spot available was out in the Eastern Conference. With a win last night at home against the Canadiens, the Islanders would clinch that playoff berth. They were a greater than $3 favorite on the money line to do that at UBS. And that is exactly what they did. A 4-2 victory, Pete, for the Islanders. And now have clinched that final postseason spot. So, Pete Jensen, what did it mean to see New York clinch that fourth playoff berth in the last five seasons last night? Well, the New York Islanders are kind of one of those middling teams. They don't have a great prospect pool. They're not an elite team anymore. We know that their past includes, you know, the back-to-back -back trips to the conference final two and three years ago under Barry Trotz. This year has been under Lane Lambert. We've seen a little bit of improvement in the offensive department. Brock Nelson has had a career year. Ilya Sorokin is one of the best, if not the best, goaltenders in the entire NHL. So he gives them a chance any given night. He leads the NHL in shutouts over his first three seasons in the NHL. So that's definitely notable. He could be a one-man show at different points. So, And I think their style of play and their center depth, especially adding Bo Horvat, is conducive to the postseason. It translates well in the past. I don't think a team like Carolina or Boston is really going to be thrilled to see a defensive-minded team like the Islanders 
that can kind of, you know, trade punches in the postseason, you're not going to want to face a team, a team like that. 25 to 1 right now for the Isles to win the Eastern Conference. It is the longest price out of the eight teams that will make the playoffs out east. For the Islanders to do that this year, Pete, it was minus 112 to the yes, minus 112 to the no. They get into the postseason. So let's look at the eight teams from the Eastern Conference that have qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, Pete, at the top, it's the Boston Bruins, a record-setting historic year for the Bees. Pete, as you look at the eight teams into the playoffs out east, how many teams do you actually believe can win the conference championship? That's a great question. Definitely Boston has the best chance. Uh, the Lightning have come out of the east three straight seasons, so you can never count them out, although they're not as deep as previous years. I was really high on the Hurricanes entering the season, mid-season, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, no Pacioretty, no Svechnikov. That's a downer for that group. The New Jersey Devils have been a possession juggernaut all season long, but the big question with them, they don't have that much playoff experience, maybe other than like an Andre Palat type player. So much young talent, untapped potential, but the goaltending is also a concern for me with Vanacek and Blackwood. To answer your question, I really wouldn't be surprised uh, to see you know, six of those teams make a run. So it's really mm. wide open. And I wouldn't be shocked if any of them went far. I mean, even Sorokin and the Islanders or the Florida Panthers. The Panthers have a great offense. They've had a great second half of the season mm. after an underwhelming first half. I feel like they are just getting better and better over the course of the season. It's another difficult team to play against that could play high-scoring hockey and also low-scoring with their goaltender, Alex Lyon. He's kind of been one of the breakout players of the season. He's come on strong and has been as clutch as it gets down the stretch for Florida. Playoff hockey is as good as you will find. And Pete, the best team all year long in the NHL has been the Boston Bruins. Their seventh consecutive victory on Tuesday night, 5-2 to two over the Capitals. It was a record-setting victory. They're 64th of the year, the most wins ever in an NHL regular season in the history books. 133 points, the most points recorded in a regular season. Pete, in your memory, are the Boston Bruins the best team you have ever seen? It's tough to say that Lightning team from a couple of years ago was definitely a great example, but then it's also an example of how it doesn't mean anything when you get to the postseason, right? Remember the Lightning got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets that season, the Lightning got swept. So, I mean, that's uh, yeah. that just shows how fickle the playoffs can be, how unpredictable the Stanley Cup playoffs can be. So um, that's one thing. Like the Boston Bruins, one thing I really liked from them, in addition to their experience with the Bergerons and the Krejci's and Marchands and players like that, they have the young blood. They have DeBrusque with a breakout year. They have Charlie McAvoy playing at a top 10 defenseman level. Hampus Lindholm's one of the best two-way defensemen in the entire NHL. They got a great goalie tandem. They added players at the deadline like Bertuzzi and, and Dmitry Orlov. So really, they check every single box, which is what you hope for going into the playoffs. They're relatively healthy. They've been sitting guys down the stretch. This is the chance for the Bruins to redeem themselves from their past two trips to the cup final that they lost to Chicago and St. Louis years back with this same core course they won back yeah. in 2011 but a bit of unfinished business for boston to say the least here 
the juggernaut are the bees right now. And Pete, we know the President's Trophy curse. The last nine winners of the President's Trophy, the best regular season record in the NHL, have not won the Stanley Cup. In fact, only one team is, has advanced past the second round of the playoffs. So, Pete, if that continues here for a 10th consecutive season, which team out east do you believe is the biggest challenger to Boston? Yeah, certain teams, I don't know that they're going to match up too well against them. Like, I, whoever comes out of the Metro division, I, I don't mm -hmm. particularly love against Boston, whether it's the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Devils. I think that's an uphill battle for any of those teams with their specific circumstances. Maybe the best chance to knock them off is from within their own division in the second round. You know what I'm saying? Toronto or Tampa yeah. winner. We at least know that that matchup's going to happen, and the winner of that matchup, if Boston advances, would play the Boston Bruins. Toronto is one of those teams that all through the years, I haven't been too high on this particular year, but I know the past few years, like even last year when they played Tampa in the, in the first round, they deserved to win that series. They lost game six and seven. It was a heartbreaker for them. But that's one of those teams that whenever they break the curse, whenever they you know, bust out of their slump and playoff series win drought since 2004 they could go on a long run so and that's a team that i think has improved its defense at the deadline they're not as good as boston but their offensive star power and if samsonov is the real deal can stay healthy that could be a sleeper to knock off the bruins in the second round that's the only playoff series we have a price for toronto against tampa bay the leafs are a favorite minus 150 to win the series outright as Pete mentioned, Toronto has failed to win a playoff series the last 18 years in NHL postseason action. All right, Pete, now out to the West, where all eight bids to the postseason have been claimed as well. As you look at the conference standings at this moment, Pete, what is the team out in the Western Conference you have the most confidence in entering the Stanley Cup playoffs? I'm really high on Dallas. They got to the cup final in 2020. I think that roster compared to this one is drastically different. I think this year's team is much better. You got Jason Robertson in the mix. You, you got Wyatt mm. Johnston, the young stud rookie that's a 20-goal scorer. You have um, your goaltenders better. Remember, they were riding Kadobin that year. It was like, how in the world are they getting to the cup final? It was the bubble year. It was a little wacky. Uh, they were an underdog throughout. Now, this year, they're going to be one of the favorites in the West, and I think they're probably the only team out there that if Colorado is remotely healthy, it sounds like you know maybe they would get Makar back or Arturi Lekkinen, hopefully Landeskog at some point. But assuming they're going to be remotely healthy, I don't know that many of these teams are going to beat the Avs with Georgiev and Nett yeah. in a seven-game series, but Dallas is the one to me that jumps out that's grizzled combination of youth and veteran savvy best top line in the nhl over the past two or three seasons combined with pavelski hints and jason robertson and yeah jason robertson whether it's playoff pools dark horse con Smythe candidate uh, he is he could have a coming out party here in the postseason he just gets better and better every single year cracked 100 plus points this year uh, the sky is the limit for him Speaking of points, Connor McDavid has the most in the National Hockey League, 152. His Edmonton Oilers, the second best mark in the Western Conference at this moment. Pete, how would you sum up this year in about 30 seconds as we near the break for the Oilers and their star in Connor McDavid?
Well, the McDavid ripple effect is just ridiculous. Better than it's ever been before. 300-point scorers with McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins. Career year for Zach Hyman. As long as they get stable goaltending, they made it to the conference final last year. Maybe if they avoid a matchup with with Colorado, if someone else knocks them yeah. out like Dallas, you could see Edmonton and McDavid have the ceiling of winning the Stanley Cup for the first time in the McDavid era. Pete Jensen from the NHL will be here all postseason long. Pete, thank you so much. More in the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A day off from the NBA postseason in the play-in tournament. But winner take all in two games tomorrow night. First in Miami between the Heat and the Bulls. And then in Minnesota between the Timberwolves and the Thunder. So a ton to get to around the association. Live right here on this Thursday on the morning after as we welcome on Brian Fonseca for his NBA postseason focus as we get ready for the play-in tournament to come back into our lives tomorrow night. But of course, Fonseca, we need to set the stage of how we have arrived at this point, and we'll do that here as well. Fonseca, how are you on this Thursday morning? <laughs> Doing quite fine. Better than some of these fan bases. Probably better than Pascal Siakam, which is like the only day I'll ever be able to say that arguably better than yeah. bam at this point like the the play-in's been a lot of fun for a lot of people but it's also been miserable for a lot of others depending on who you root for a very exciting play-in tournament to this point and the underdogs have been incredibly profitable and have just won basketball games the dogs 4-0 against the spread three of them outright have been victorious the hawks in that opening night of the play-in tournament both of the dogs last night the bulls in toronto the thunder in New Orleans. So as we focus on that game between Chicago and Toronto last night, Fonseca, outside of D.R. DeRozan, the daughter of DeMar, that should win NBA Defensive Player of the Year for her efforts when the Raptors stepped to the foul line, what stood out to you most last night in this game between the Raptors and the Bulls? Zach Levine finally having moments in a game that matters because he's had like four or five playoff games in his career or something incredibly low. And he came through on the road against the Raptors team that frankly I thought was going to win that game. And it got a little weird because I was looking at some of the, the betting action from people that I know and respect. And a lot of them were leaning on the Bulls. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a stay away from me because I'm not dealing with this. And the Bulls went out there, and at some point, it looked like the Raptors were going to put them away. They had a little run uh, in the third quarter, second quarter, I forget which. And the Bulls were able to climb back, and as you're watching the game and you're going into the final few minutes, it's like, oh, wow, Like so this is going to go down to the wire. And you look up, and at one point, the Raptors are 17 of 33 from the free throw line. You're barely above 50% on free throws. You lose a four-point game, and you miss that many free throws. Like That's the game right there. That's the game right there. And Pascal Siakam, who had his moments, who was really good up until that point, missed some clutch free throws uh, or a clutch free throw. I don't remember if it was one or two. Might have been two. And two. Two. regard, yeah, it was two. So, and they lost. And on top of that, the Chicago Bulls, who down the stretch were very good defensively, 
seem to have figured some things out. I'm not saying that they're going to make a playoff run because ultimately if they win this game against the Heat on Friday, they're going to play the Milwaukee Bucks. But that's interesting. Like they've been able to put something together where it's like, okay, maybe this is a little more encouraging for them because instead of being just a 10 seed, they find their way into the eighth spot. And this is why the play-in is so interesting because you can sort of not turn your season around. It's not that dramatic, but you could actually like just make light of a situation that seems dire going into it. And the Bulls are doing that. Certainly so. Now we go to the other play-in tournament game last night in New Orleans. The Pelicans fall to the Thunder. OKC winning outright as a five-and-a-half-point underdog by five, 123-118. Fonseca, give me your honest assessment. Was the win last night in the play-in tournament more impressive for Oklahoma City or more disappointing for the Pelicans? At one point... We were talking about the Pelicans, and I was saying that they could probably beat anybody in a playoff series if they were healthy, um, knowing that they probably wouldn't be because Zion Williamson is on their team. And that's something that, you know, we'll see what happens in the summer. I ultimately think that this is a great win for the Oklahoma City Thunder, though, because they did it off the strength of their young guys, and which is basically their entire roster because damn near everyone on this team is like 25 and under. Shea Gildas Alexander yeah. had a big night in a big spot, and as he continues to ascend he was actually somebody who was on my top five for mvp this year i had him fifth is he's somebody who continues to ascend he's gonna have more of these type of must-win game situations and to see him come through in that it's going to be key for them because whatever they start building it's going to be around him at one point we were talking about is he going to be the guy that they trade and then potentially you know add even more draft capital and it's like no because next year they're going to add uh, a decent first round pick and they're also going to add Shet Holmgren they're actually probably going to have multiple first round picks because they have 15 over the next five years you know what I mean mm -hmm. they're going to be able to just really assemble a team that is going to be competitive again next year that's going to be better and you have Josh Giddy having a big game he didn't have a fourth he didn't have a turnover until the fourth quarter Josh Giddy. he showed unbelievable poise I felt like in that game and I'm somebody who's like I'm not like one of these guys who's super high on him because there is a Josh Giddy sort of click out there, whatever the case may be. Sure. I want to see more. We saw a lot last night of then Lou Dort hitting all those shots early, had a big game, showed that real three and D potential that he's flashed. Not always efficient during the regular season. He was efficient last night when it mattered though. And for Oklahoma City to get a win, anytime your organization can get a win like that, led by a bunch of your young guys, you're going to come out of that feeling great. And feel like the future is bright and the immediate future could be if they were to win this game against minnesota i mean yeah against minnesota on friday night josh giddy 31 points 10 assists nine rebounds shea gilgis alexander a slow shooting night to start but finishes with 32 points his 43rd time this nba season he has registered at least 30 points we'll get to that game the nightcap on a friday in minneapolis in just a moment but the first game up in south beach the heat host the Bulls. Fonseca, Miami is booked as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. It's very interesting now in the second play-in tournament game for these two teams. Chicago feeling good, optimistic about their chances. Miami disappointed with a lackluster performance at home just two nights ago against Atlanta. What do you expect to see out of the heat, Fonseca? Will, will there be some resolve from Miami tomorrow night? The Heat are the most frustrating team in the NBA because you know that there's more there. And then you watch them and it's like, is there? 
<laughs> and at times it's like and bam got a lot of the the criticism for last game and i'm not saying he's devoid of criticism but look at the roster the lack of gang rebounding the fact that he has to switch out on the perimeter and then clint capella is all of a sudden matched up with tyler hero and or uh kayla martin and or kyle lowry and of course clint capella is going to get that rebound he was awesome virtuoso rebounding performance tracking the ball and doing Dennis Rodman, literally Dennis Rodman-like things on the glass that game. Um, Miami has the capability of doing a lot of different things in this game, one of them being they just sort of whimper out because this is a team that's clearly not on the same page and hasn't been all season long. And I'm not saying that just to be like gas baggy. I'm saying that because I know that. And this is a team who also uh, could turn it around, have an emphatically good performance and win, make a statement against the Chicago Bulls, delaying their whimpering out of the playoffs because they're probably not going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And you know I love Jimmy Butler and I love Bam. Those are two of my favorite players to watch in the league. But I just right. don't think right. that they're going to make a dent into this postseason if they were to get there. So for me, I think that this can go one of two very distinct ways. And I think if you're a Heat fan rooting for this team, you should root for them to play a very competitive game for bam to play well for jimmy to play well and for them to lose because if you don't you're probably looking at the 20th pick in the draft as opposed to the 14th which is going to be the back part of the lottery and if you're looking at the future and if you're looking at what could actually happen in the playoffs i think that you're best suited just not even showing up for that milwaukee series jimmy butler right now 26 and a half is his points prop tomorrow night against chicago five and a half assists he has had at least six assists in four consecutive games for Miami, including nine, despite struggling offensively for the Heat in the 11-point loss to Atlanta just a few nights ago. Jimmy Butler will have to be key for Miami tomorrow night if the Heat want to advance into the Eastern Conference playoffs as the eighth seed. And that's what is at stake. The winners of tomorrow night's games, Fonseca, claim the eighth seed both in the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs. That will be the battle in the Twin Cities between the T-Wolves and the Thunder. Minnesota now a five-point favorite against Oklahoma City. As you approach this game, Fonseca, how do you break down the matchup between OKC and Minnesota? Kind of would rather watch OKC play against Denver because that's what would happen here. The winner would face Denver in the in the playoffs. Uh, Minnesota is going to get is expected to get Rudy Gobert back because he served that one game suspension for the play in and that's going to be interesting because Shea Gilgis Alexander who loves to get downhill and is as good as anyone really in the NBA at doing that he's going to have to match up with Rudy Gobert can he get him into foul trouble early that's going to be something to watch could Josh Giddy uh not just make some plays but hit some shots could Lou Dort sort of keep it going and maybe you don't need 30 from him <laughs> but you know could he put forth another very good performance. It could Anthony Edwards rebound from uh, a shockingly just inefficient <laughs> performance against the Lakers, right? Like Anthony Edwards, you thought was going to come through in a big spot. He didn't. Um, Carl Anthony Towns got off to a really good start. We'll see what happens there. I think there, there's a lot of fascinating storylines that could play out for this game. And I think schematically, like I would give the edge obviously to, to Minnesota just in terms of like, you know, they have the veteran presence of Mike Conley. They have Anthony Edwards, who I don't think is going to have that game again. Of uh, Rudy Gobert is coming back. But 
Oklahoma City, like they're young, they're feisty, they're going to get after it. I think this is going to be a close mm-hmm. game. I think, you know, the spread is totally fair, four and a half. Um, and I think that as it pertains to uh, OKC in particular, that the bench needs to come through. That bench unit is really going to need to come through uh, against Minnesota. But I think that starting with Shea Gildas Alexander, potentially getting uh, Rudy Gobert in foul trouble, if that were to happen, because then you're you're putting him in matchups where you can get switches on the car, Anthony Towns, and then that's all day. You want that all day because it's not even just about him getting downhill and just getting shots at the rim. It's also creating looks for his teammates. And when he commits to passing, and he often does because he has the ball in his hands a lot, he's one of the better passers that you're going to see in that Western Conference. SGA, his points prompt tomorrow night against Minnesota now up to 33 and a half. Again, he has scored 30 or more. 43 times this year for Oklahoma City. Anthony Edwards on the other side, 27 and a half. A dismal performance in Los Angeles two nights ago. Three of 17 from the floor, only nine points for Ant. That game is on a Friday. Fonseca, we have one day until we get to the final play in tournament games. Both will be looking to claim the eight seed in the Eastern Conference. It's a matchup between the Heat and the Bulls. Only a minute left in this segment, Fonseca. Whoever wins that game will play the Bucks in the opening round of the postseason. What makes Milwaukee, in your mind, Fonseca, the best team we have seen throughout the NBA this season? Because a lot of the other teams just aren't that good, uh, haven't been proven enough, or they have just a lot of warts. And I think if you're a team like going back to Miami, for example, this was a blown opportunity for you this season because it was a year that you could have done something, added some stuff to your roster and really take advantage of the fact that Boston is uh, they're good, but they're inconsistent. And Robert Williams is not healthy. And Marcus Smart had a down year. And with Milwaukee, Chris Middleton is hurt and has been hurt. And Philadelphia, are you really going to trust? Am I going to do the James Harden thing again, Ben? Are you really going to trust James Harden in the playoffs? So. You know, we'll see. But I think Milwaukee gets out of the East ultimately. We'll see. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on this Thursday morning on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. A special Thursday across the Spiz Grizz Network, as I'll detail in just a few moments. Now, I'll be honest with you. I haven't dove through the Major League Baseball daily slate as I should necessarily to offer up a best bet that you might or might not have confidence in. There's no NBA basketball tonight, a day off from the play-in tournament and the postseason. There's not really a ton else that I can give you, but that doesn't mean there's not a ton to wager on with very smart facts and figures coming your way. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a best bet or a best app. It's time for bye, bye, bye. (laughs) 
Today marks the official unveiling of the new Sports Grid app. The ultimate sports betting companion app is now here. So take out your phone right now, even if you take your face off the screen, take off out your phone right now, go to wherever you get your apps, whatever app store that is, and go download the new Sports Grid app. It is a one-of-a-kind experience where millions of our streaming viewers can now utilize the app's deep data set to compare stats and betting trends among teams and players in daily matchups. I have used this app in the beta version. It is incredible. You see the entire slate in whatever sport you want to lay a wager on. You get insights on what that best bet could be or what it might look like. Props, spreads, totals, all of that. And then it links to your favorite sports book to go put that bet in automatically and right away. The Sports Grid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app is now here. Go download it wherever you get your apps. That does it for us here on the morning after on this Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow on a Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm Ben Stevens. Talk to you.